Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, I'm coach, and this is episode 82 of the Weekly Word Podcast, where we talk all things endurance, especially ultra-endurance, but endurance in general, with regards to strategy, with regards to training, with regards to mindset, with regards to the physiology and the strategy with regards to fueling and hydration, with regards to nutrition, all those things, anything that can be helpful for you to achieve your endurance goals, especially those that move more into the ultra-endurance realm, the world that I am so fond of because it puts us further out there, connects us deeper and deeper with nature, with the outdoors, and with ourselves, because as many of you know in the meantime, it's where I believe we are um, optimized to be our best, outdoors, immersed, alive, playing in nature, and experiencing the outdoors while we're physically active. That's why I like coming back to that mission statement that I believe captures what we do in the endurance world so well. And helping ultra-endurance athletes enjoy the gratification, right, the process of setting a goal, researching it, um, getting excited about it, signing up, understanding what it is they're signing up for, and starting to build that vision and image in their head of themselves doing this outdoor ultra-endurance adventure. And usually I look for goals or adventures on the outer boundary of what the athlete could imagine was possible. Meaning they're really choosing something that scares them a little bit, that puts them outside of their comfort zone and requires them to truly train for it, to think and prepare for it properly, to actually um, stay diligent and disciplined and persevere through the training because they know the event itself is challenging enough. And if they don't train for it, if they don't prepare for it, if they don't get their body ready for it, physically and mentally, it's not going to be the image, the vision of what they had when they signed up for said adventure, said event, and so forth. And then my job of working with the athlete to systematically pursue that goal in a healthy and sustainable manner, right? Um, Systematically is coaching, is consistency, is gradual, systematic growth in fitness, in building that foundation, in the zone two aerobic work, getting fitter every week, every month, as you progress towards the fitness you feel you need towards that goal, and that makes you feel more confident towards achieving that goal. And doing that in a healthy manner, that means we're being smart about the training, that we're interacting and understanding on how the build works. And in a sustainable manner, well, there you have it. That's balancing it with your family, with your career, the three-legged stool that I talk about. That's the goal. That's 100% captures um, and why I put it on the front page of my website with regards to what it is I'm trying to convey and work with my athletes and trying to convey in the Weekly Word podcast. Helping endurance athletes enjoy the gratification of setting a goal on the outer boundary 
of what they could imagine was possible and working with them and systematically to pursue that goal in a healthy and sustainable manner. So welcome. That's what we do here. And that's what I talk about. And you know what, I love talking about it. So if nobody's listening, that's fine. <laughs> I come across this quite often that I think to myself, well, if nobody's listening to this, I still want to capture my thoughts and experiences and um, insights from reading athlete emails and workout updates and so forth and the questions I receive. And that's what this weekly word podcast is. It's sort of capturing what all my athletes question or inquire about or update about or observe in their training and taking all that and sharing that with the athletes again, in many cases, re, 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 um, refurbishing, regurgitating, for lack of a better description, the, the questions and the insights that they have and sharing it in a bigger arena with a bigger group. And that's, that's what we'll do again this week in some respects. The other thing is, um, this week, I do a lot of reflecting and thinking back about the last four, five, six weeks that I've had with regards to my travels and the events I did and where I was and the people I interacted with. It was truly a special time and um, one that I will think back about uh, to and think about for many months to come because it truly highlighted some really important things for me of what I stand for and what I enjoy about coaching and you know, where I really want to go with this even further. And it's what I'm passionate about, not only just the coaching, but um, getting people to jump on board this ultra endurance lifestyle and hearing their fears and their reservations and their challenges and working with them on a human level um, over the last few weeks and months has been truly a growth for me too. And it's allowed me to better crystallize and communicate what I believe in. And going by what feedback I've gotten, um, people actually do seem to appreciate it. And it resonates with athletes and potential athletes and future athletes out there. And that's what I want to continue doing. Just helping all of you understand and getting all of you more comfortable and confident and getting all of you more familiar with your ability to do almost any adventure, any goal, any challenge out there. I was speaking to a client today and he did his first 100 mile run a couple weeks ago in Leadville and it transformed his life. Not only the training and the camaraderie over the last few months and getting ready for it, but the day went completely different than he had planned. And he had to really overcome in a lot of ways to get past the cutoffs. And there were tears and family members and disappointment and um, depressed um, feelings at times during that journey, during that 100-mile run. And then there's elation. And then there's joy. And then there's um, unbelievable moments where it's like, how did I possibly do that? Um, to give you an example, he ran his fastest 5K ever during a 100-mile run because he was running as hard as he could across terrain without a light and with basically no light um, present with a pen light 
in order to make the cutoff at an aid station. Otherwise, the race was going to be over for him. So, you know, 40, 50, 60 miles into his event, he ran his fastest 5K ever and then continued on from there. He only had three or four minutes at the aid station because they need to keep you moving along at this point. Otherwise, they know you're not going to make the next cutoff. And so emotions and ability and elation and sadness and all kinds of emotions that go through these experiences and that then afterwards to say i wouldn't have wanted my first ultra endurance event to be any different i got to experience every aspect of emotion and um it, and and um joy in it emotion is joy but every aspect of emotion and you know barely making a cutoff to running so fast that you're you've built another hour and a half of comfort into making the cutoff making the finish line and being able to enjoy the last four miles with your buddy your pacer and walking it in with your wife and your children i mean that to me is ultra endurance when you get to experience that wave that emotion, that confidence of knowing I ran 100 miles at above 10,000 feet. I overcame so much. I thought I was going to be done to doing my best, to finishing, to um, twisting my ankle, to hurting myself, to still persevering, to still gritting it out, to still doing something like that. You come back from something like an event like that. What, what's your day going to challenge you with? What is your work or your family or anything going to challenge you with knowing that you've overcome yourself like this? Everything else becomes um, not necessarily easier because we all live our life of challenges, but it becomes a better perspective of which you can absorb the stresses of your everyday life with better. You get to take a different perspective of it and realize, yes, this is challenging, but I've been in challenges before and I will figure it out. I figured it out before and I will overcome this. I will overcome this delay on this project, this financial pressure, this overload, this stress, this project, this data um, deliverable. I will overcome this family turmoil, this drama, this um, difficulties. Because again, I've challenged myself, I've overcome, I've persevered, and I will persevere again. And everything leaves marks on us. Everything leaves, um, becomes part of our soul and past, of our, past experiences and creates us to who we are. Absolutely. But overcoming for yourself, achieving something that you never thought you could achieve yourself going on the far end of what you thought you were capable of and then persevering and pushing through and breaking on through and creating a new normal just makes you a stronger, more capable, more grounded, more confident, more um, contributive, gratitude. <laughs> uh, I'm running out of words. Person. One that is grateful, I mean one that shines its light and energy from the inside out. You, you, you have a certain swagger, not cockiness, a certain swagger that you know you've done something that was way out of your comfort zone and you achieved it. 
man. So anyway, that's that's the lead-in to this week's episode 82 podcast. I'm not going to go into all the things we talk about today because a lot of it is reflective like I just talked about with the last few weeks. I go into the Attilo um, post-race recap, um, and it's not too technical, and there's not too much detail in there. It's more just observations of how unique that day was and how I approached it and how the day unfolded. And then I go into some tidbits of um, fitness growth and so forth. But enjoy this episode. Enjoy this podcast. And I know um, this one is in a quite reflective and um, state of um, just gratification and um, appreciation and excitement and passion. And bear with me. And I hope you can tolerate it. And if not, I will get back to more specific questions and emails and training subjects next week. I promise you, um, as it's early in this week, I will have time to do another podcast later this week. And I, I commit to making it more training related, more um, um, ultra endurance, strategic, and so forth. So enjoy. Thank you. I've had the opportunity to go through a lot over the last few weeks. I've had the chance to travel, to meet some incredible people, to be in some incredible places, to catch up with family and do unique adventures with them. And so I'm back home now, sitting in a dark room. <laughs> it's early in the morning. My kids are asleep, and it's it's a great time to focus on some of the things that I'm not only really grateful for, but to reflect back upon on what the common theme is in that for me. And you might ask yourself, well, what does this have to do with ultra endurance training and racing and prep and all the things we talk about on here? But I feel it's very important to remain consistent to who we are and what our values are, and what we believe in, and how we see the world as we um, incorporate and add this ultra-endurance training and endurance training to our lives. Because it makes the fabric of how we train and tie it back to who we are and how we live the rest of our days, as in not the rest of our life, but the rest of our day, um, hours in our day, and makes it the fabric more connected. And there's a bridge connecting that selfless, that, that selfish world of when we train. And I call it selfish, not in a negative way. I call it selfish because it gives us time to focus on ourselves and spend time in our mind and thoughts, as well as in some sort of solitude and going internal once a day. And I've talked about this on the podcast. But if the training and our beliefs and how we see the world and our joy and our gratitude within that, within those long hours, within those hours that we sacrifice away from family or for career. Because don't get me wrong, some of us love our career. Some of us love our work. Some of us don't want to leave our work. So that's a big component too to not forget that that's a sacrifice too to leave that and reduce those hours, to find hours for our own training and our own work and or our own fitness and health and so forth. 
And so when those are connected, when those are aligned, when those feel good from the inside out, it makes it all easier, right? It makes that three-legged stool tie together everything so much better. And in my travels over the last few weeks, I've heard a few people talk to me about different aspects of the three-legged stool. I've had amazing opportunities to run into people (laughs) all around this country and even in foreign countries who listen to my podcast. Now, of course, I have the benefit and the privilege that through Rich's podcast, people have clicked to my podcast and have heard some things there that they like. So I realize that. But what's interesting is most have commented on the three-legged stool. And I was actually at a retreat with regards to that 29029 event um, with regards to Everest and um, that challenge that I talked about. And the guy who runs that and the the founder of that, Jesse, Jesse Itzler, who um, you you ought to look up, who's a a very fascinating, interesting guy. He actually talks about a four-legged stool, um, a platform, um, the four sort of uh, fingers of life. And him and I actually had a little bit of a conversation about it that, to me, um, the balance works a little bit differently. But I don't want to go into that. I want to go into more that understanding that if we recognize how unique our adventures and our challenges and our endurance and our events and our training and our opportunities are, and sort of build that into every day having a moment to reset and see how unique it is and see what it means to us and see how it creates so much positive energy in us and so much, not growth, that we realize that it's growth, but growth in our consistency and our ability to be outside and connect in a healthy way to our body. It ties the, like I said, the fabric of the three-legged stool better together. It makes it stronger. And what I mean by that is the platform on top of the three-legged stool, right, where you sit, basically, it makes that stronger. It makes the connection to family and social and personal stronger. It makes the connection to work and career and our professional life stronger. And I believe it also connects those two legs better because the entire platform is stronger. When the training we do, when the events we take on, when the challenges we face in these endurance um, adventures that we take on are tied to what we believe in and how we really view the world in the, with regards to seeing how beautiful it is and how unique it is and how precious it is, I believe it just makes the platform of that stool stronger. And that's what I noticed over the last few weeks And because people have asked me a variety of different things and I've had so many great discussions over the last five, six weeks with people from all around the world, let alone um, being immersed in unique locations with them and them willing to be open and have meaningful human um, discussions with each other, right? We, we could just talk as, as human beings without any type of opinions or preconceived notions or 
um, being distracted by work or family or kids. And of course, it, those are all positive things, those distractions, but it does often doesn't allow us to truly be humans and talk to each other in a just a natural, relaxed, enjoyable, getting to know another person way. And that was one of the most beautiful things over the last few weeks for me. And it taught me a lot with regards to what the common thread is, like I was open this with um, in my coaching. And that is just my strong belief that us being outside and immersed in nature, as I've talked so many times before, allows us to um, unfold and allows our inside, our raw beauty and who we truly are as human beings to come forward, to shine a little brighter. Now, it doesn't automatically just come out, but I believe that the more we spend time outdoors, unplugged with ourselves, um, not so deep in meditation or thought, but just alive, just really alive and connected. And the more frequently we do that, the better it feels. And the more electricity pulses through our body and sends the signals to continue to reinforce that the body subconsciously wants to be outside, active, alive in nature. And no, I'm not talking about necessarily running through some beautiful forest or climbing some beautiful mountain or swimming in some beautiful lake or on the ocean or being in some beautiful locations. I'm just talking that it likes to be in the fresh air, active, moving, doing its thing in order to allow itself to function at its best, current best, as well as working our way to our future best. Because the more we do it, as we all know, consistency and the training, it allows us to continue to become our best optimized body. And with an optimized body that's starting to get fitter and stronger and healthier, we also become clearer with mind and more creative and more um, focused and more, we, we just realize our abilities better and we feel better and we make better decisions, not only for ourselves but for those around us. Because again, I feel we're more connected, not only with ourselves but with everything around us. When we are more active, when that polarization inside our body starts kicking up, we feel healthier and more confident. And there's only upside. There is only upside. And feeling that fit, that healthy, and seeing the world through a different lens is exactly what everything that the last few weeks allowed for, as well as whenever I was in conversation with others, really allowed itself to play out and be part of this greater community of endurance and ultra endurance athletes. And it was amazing that I met athletes that are going to be probably the last place finishers, as well as I met athletes that won the events. And all of them had a similar approach and smile and twinkle in their eye and um, just that electricity and that vibrancy to them. And that's a wonderful thing to see. Whether it was three in the morning in a breakfast room, in a hotel, on an island off the coast of Stockholm, Sweden, to 
three in the morning of people climbing a mountain over and over again and being exhausted and not knowing if they could not well they knew they could go further but you know they've been already going for close to 24 hours but still having a positive energy and mindset and um, approach to it that well of course I'm going to keep going why would I stop and again these aren't elite athletes these were people who had set forth on a goal to climb a mountain 13 times and they just kept moving forward they kept doing it and it was amazing to see and it was amazingly inspirational for me to validate this is why I do what I do. And that's what the last five weeks did for me too. They really showed, I love doing what I do. I love this, talking about it. I love communicating it with regards to this podcast, but I love the little one-on-one, five-on-one discussions that I've had over the last weeks with complete strangers, people I will most likely never meet again. But all of them had a positive energy, a positive outlook, a smile on their face, a community, a a sort of an open-armed willingness to embrace what this is. And I met people from around the world with regards to that just great positive energy. From Great Britain, I met some great athletes from there, pro triathletes and so forth, that also decided to take on a swim-run event out of their comfort zone and do something different with their partner with regards to not necessarily a life partner, but an athlete that they were partnered up with. I met a three-time Olympic medalist and five-time European champion in so and so many different ways and one of the most successful Swedish swimmers of all times. Again, also completely not intimidated, but nervous and curious and sort of... um, Uh, not withdrawn, but just sort of for sure observant on her surroundings before we went into the water um, or before we started on Monday morning for Otillo. I mean, this girl has seen and raced and and been in the most tense situations um, in sport there is, where in swimming it comes down to hundredths of a second, right? And you have to perform at that time, on that day, in that window, and that's that's it. That's your that's what you've been training for for years. And she has performed. Yet even there, she was in an ultra endurance world, and in an environment where things made her nervous. And yet even there, it was positive energy. It was the fun of it, and the adventure of it, and the curiosity of it, and the. I wonder how this day is going to go and how I'm going to feel, but I look forward to the challenge. And that applies for all of us as we take on anywhere from an Ironman to a 100-mile run to a marathon swim to, you know, some of you taking on um, mountains that we're climbing with regards to um, some of the highest peaks in the world that some of you are having me work with you with or give me the privilege to work with you with to um, some of you sailing and some of you looking to become anywhere from rescue swimmers and you're out in Alaska on a, on a boat right now to you know some of you stationed around the world doing what you do. Um, all of us, I believe, have that common thread of, you know what? 
I don't know what today will bring, what this adventure, what this challenge, what this situation will bring, but I am pretty good prepared for this. Maybe not at my best possible, but I feel pretty prepared for this. I know I can grow still from this, but I feel prepared for today. And I'm going to take on today with a curiosity, with an open mind, with a willingness to learn and observe, and with a challenge, but also with an excitement and an electricity in my body to be at my best. Be at my best for today. And I saw that everywhere. I saw that in the fear and the curiosity in the eyes of the guys doing Leadville 100 and doing their first 100-mile run, let alone all of it above nine to 10,000 feet. And just again, um, the common thread was adventure. We're all searching for that adventure, for that next curious step of, man, I'm curious of what I'm capable of and what that will be. And many of us have the privilege to do it a lot. Some people have the privilege to do it for a living. And I'm not talking about athletics. I'm talking about some of those special operators around the world who they live a life of danger, but adventure. And you talk to them, they absolutely love it. And of course, the camaraderie, the challenge, the focus, um, and as well as doing this for a higher cause surely ties into it but also their love for that um, adventure, but also but that risk, their love and curiosity for what today will bring from what this mission or this exercise or this challenge will bring, it's, it fires strongly in all of them. They don't get that far if it's just going through the motions. We all don't achieve our best self even for right now, not overall best self. I'm always talking best self in the now without having a certain spice for life for it, without having a certain curiosity or excitement or deep down twinkle in our eye to take on that challenge. And that's another thing I noticed over the last few weeks of running into people throughout the world that all had that twinkle in their eye and that just, I don't know what it'll bring, but man, I am loving living on this edge of my capabilities, of my fitness, and to find out what's on the other side and to know that I'm going to be better, stronger, faster, fitter, smarter from it and be armed and be stronger and be able to contribute more to this, not necessarily world, but to my world because of it on the other side of this. Love it. I just absolutely enjoyed it. And I think you can tell in my voice, it's been, it's been really a, um, it's been tiring <laughs> being on the road that week, that many weeks, but also it's been invigorating and it's continued to clarify for me what um, coaching, what guidance, what public speaking or speaking engagements, and also what all this individual interaction with so many curious, wonderful people um, can bring and can do. And I look forward to doing so much more of it because I really feel um, at my best when I'm doing that. So thank you for indulging me on this little piece here. All right. So Attilo 2018. 
And what a different experience it was. It was not only a different race due to the weather, but it was also a different race because I knew what to expect going in. And finally, it was a different race because I was racing with a different partner. And because of all three of those factors, it also had a different feel to it, a different experience. And then they also changed some aspects of the race. So if we dial it back a little bit and think about the days leading up, I was so fortunate and lucky to um, see my brothers fly down to Germany after landing in Stockholm and um, meet up with them and go sailing with them for a few days in the Baltic Sea, which was interesting because we were about 500 miles further south in the same body of water that I was then going to do the swim run in. Um, later on that uh, weekend slash actually Monday morning Labor Day. And they hold it on um, Mondays because of the ship traffic and the weekend traffic and the boat traffic of ferries and so forth. Um, the weekends still get pretty busy on these islands. And um, although it's the end of their summer, technically, but when you have a beautiful weekend like ours was, for example, this past year, you can see why many vacation homeowners and so forth would still be um, on the island as well as uh, not clogging up the island. These places are so remote and uh, empty, but you also have to figure that the little crossroads that we use and the aid stations and the ferry traffic and the people supporting the race, it does make a difference, um, change the footprint um, if it's on a weekend. So by the way, that's why that race is on a Monday and not necessarily because it's Labor Day in the United States. I had somebody ask me that. So yeah, we had a different launch point with regards to where we started the race from, not the event, but where we met and brought in all the teams. So that was sort of interesting because it was a much nicer hotel and um, totally different logistics. But what was nice is on the bus ride from central Stockholm out to the far islands and i know you're saying how can you take a bus to the far islands well we got basically over bridges to the last really drivable island and there's a great hotel convention center there um, gorgeous location and from there we stayed the night had the race briefing had dinner had breakfast the next morning and then race morning at 4 30 they ferry you to the race start at which point you quickly just you know get a few things sorted, use the restroom, and off goes the gun. So, but yeah, so Attilo this year was completely different, and the weather was in the upper 60s, even probably busted through 70 at some point, and the water was pancake flat. I mean, we're talking, even if you put lane lines between the islands, the flatness of the water and um, how there was no current no ripple of wind, no wave made for not only a very fast day, but made for a different race. And what made it unique is that even in a place where the surroundings are so powerful and so uh, raw and beautiful and different than what I'm used to seeing or anything I've actually been in before, um, it, because of the weather changes, it felt like a different place. Um, it felt like a different location, like they moved Attilo Swim Run World Championships to a different place this year because it was completely different. It looked different. It felt different. It uh, 
was different because the lack of wind and the temperatures and the rawness of it all last year already blew us away. Even just getting prepared for the event as the wind was howling into the hotel room and that everything was, you know, making a ton of noise and things were flying around and trash cans were flying down the streets and they had to have the dinner in a certain area because um, one of the uh, rooms and, and, and windows had blown out. So they moved us to a convention room last year. I mean, it was completely crazy and, of course, intimidating because you're like, oh, my gosh, what are we getting into tomorrow? Whereas this year, sunny, 65 the day before, you're walking around in shorts, super mellow. Even the race briefing last year was quite intense and serious, and the race director was clearly communicating the sense of not danger, but that we all need to pay attention to each other and not risk anything too dramatic in the water and to look out for each other. And this year, things were a lot more lighthearted, less worrisome. Um, his, his directness of the meeting was not there at all. It was actually sort of jovial. And so it was a completely different feel. Yeah, and then, you know, race morning, you get up at 3.30, you have breakfast, which is big, huge European breakfast with rolls and sandwich meats and cheeses and oatmeal and yogurts and granolas and seeds and fruit and coffee and juices and chia puddings and all kinds of good, healthy food. So, it was wonderful to see. And then, you know, you pack up your few things because you're not coming back to that hotel. And you get on the ferry. And what's cool about the ferry was, you know, just think if before a race, just like sort of similar to Alcatraz, Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon, if all of you competitors are on a boat together and all that nervous energy and now that excitement for what the day holds ahead of you is all in one spot. And you can feel it and everybody's sort of quiet, but they have big eyes and they're getting prepped and doing the last second of gear check and getting comfortable and lubing up their wetsuits, not uh, at the chafing points and getting things ready for the day and staying hydrated and where they're putting stuff and tying shoes for the fifth time again, right? So all the little things and that's all happening in that 40 minutes, 45 minutes as you're heading towards the island of Santam, um, where Attilo 2018 and actually every Attilo starts. So, and then, you know, you hang out a little bit and then the gun goes off. And as many of you might've been able to see on the pictures that I sort of posted on social media, I mean, you run through this forest and it feels like you're literally, um, a battle unit of 320 athletes, right? That's how many participated. And we're running gently through this forest. At this point, it's still a neutral race, which means the race director is leading the group on an ATV through the forest. And then it opens up into, turns off into this beach. And if you think about it, we're all coming in in one direction. And then the beach is to the left. And so you're running in one direction. And then all of a sudden, everybody breaks off and different points and runs towards the left and through the trees out onto this big expansive beach and gets in the water. But if you imagine the scene of all these competitors with their red caps and all looking very similar with their swim goggles on and so forth, running probably a good 
150 yards deep into the forest, all parallel next to each other through the trees into this opening. It literally looks like a scene from uh, Braveheart or Gladiator because there you are in the forest and you're charging through and all of a sudden it breaks open into this opening across a short beach and into the sea. So they do that because they want to keep the race neutral um, in the beginning so that the biggest swim, the longest swim, um, is the first one. And it's through a major shipping channel from one island to the other. And so they want to keep the group and the, um, the swimmers as compact as possible before um, the, the field spreads out too much. And so that's why they keep it neutral through that first town. Um, but yeah. And then on we went. And already you can tell on the first swim how comfortable, not comfortable it was because you're trying, but how smooth it was and how there were no currents and no chop. And you can see the flags and the strobe light on the other island from water level versus last year having to stop and tread water and try to catch a wave up high in order to see the light before you get smashed back down again. Um, and this was, you know, you're just swimming good quality freestyle you know good extension and good collide and everything's clicking and you're not getting tossed around so already the first swim had a completely different feel to it yeah and then we started working our way from island to island frank and i and you know things were moving along nicely um early on and then uh, frank started to get some um, gi issues um nothing dramatic but he just you know we needed to stop once or twice and then also his calf um, really started bothering him and again Attila is different it, there's no steadiness to it you're bouldering you're climbing you're jumping down and you're stepping up you're going from a, a level position swimming back onto your feet sliding down um, recruiting a lot of your legs in different ways in order to have that um, cross terrain um, strength, you need to be prepared for sideways and laterals and step ups and jump ups and step downs and um, heavy landing on your quads and sideways and roots and skipping around trees and rocks and falling and, and ankles turning, not in a bad way, but just sort of knowing that you're on rocks that are unsteady or that you can slip or that they're still wet and that your feet will quickly fall off, uh, fall off that rock, not fall off. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of different stresses. And to think that you can run a pace or run an effort is just not realistic. Because, you know, in the beginning, you're, you're climbing, you're behind people, you're walking, um, and, and just trying to navigate your way through this terrain, which is truly navigation, they give you a compass prior and a map and that each team has to have with them in case they're off course and you have to figure it out yourself because this is you know again in some you know, random island where there's no inhabitants and you're in a forest and you got to figure it out and so um, luckily that didn't happen but last year a few times we definitely got lost or, or confused on which direction and um, we're missing the sort of flags little um, ribbons on trees and stuff like that and had to sort of figure it out for a while but so yeah the pacing there isn't very realistic and um, it's not like you're running in a steady stride and definitely there's sections where you can do that but then those quickly go away and you're back to 
walking or hiking up a steep rock or um, a, a short hill or going through a forest where the the growth on the floor of the forest, you're just barely navigating your feet that through something that's, let's say, knee-deep in moss, but there's a tiny little um, wildlife path that has created um, sort of a little footing where your feet can sort of get down past the moss that has grown up a good foot or foot and a half in certain places that you don't fall into this deep mush of nothing. You know, and there's high reeds and there's swampy areas and then there's rocky areas and then there's thick in the trees areas. And and then, you know, you hit an opening and you're way up high and you gotta sort of walk gently, carefully down to the water and, and sort of climb down or gently step down because, you know, you're probably 25 feet, 30 feet up. So, yeah, so that's sort of how the day goes and in and out. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be uh, a strong swimmer. So um, Frank had to work hard to keep up uh, many times. We were not tethered. Um, mainly the reason I don't like tethering is because when the other partner has an injury, let's say, or is, is bothered by something, especially like last year with my experience, I can't pull somebody along when they're, um, cramping or they have a calf injury or they're they're on the verge of it seizing up and so therefore I'm not even going to set that situation up and of course swimming it might have been helpful um, but overall tethering in and tethering out and, and trying to figure that out to its best I don't think would have saved us that much time so um, again I'm not looking for or we were not looking for any type of result or placing we were just trying to have a solid day where we know we put forth a really, really good effort and what we together could um, say afterwards that it was, it, was, it was our best of that day. And it was. I mean, in, in many cases, Frank hung really tough given that his calf kept tightening up and we ended up walking a fair amount on any uphill because that's where the push-off and the tightness of the calf really got to him. But, you know, overall, again, it's not something that you get bothered by because this isn't the type of event where the result or the number means anything. And that actually ties in to the bigger picture of what this race is to me and what that truly means. Um, that, that race, that event last week, this past week, today's Friday, um, this past Monday, is basically living life in the present. And I, I, it's not getting caught up with a past narrative or future expectations. Um, past narrative being last year and wanting to somehow prove anything different or better, or um, setting up future expectations with regards to um, thinking that as a close to 50-year-old, Frank is 50, that there's going to be any outcome here <laughs> in an open field against guys who are specialists and girls who are specialists and mixed teams that are specialists to think that you can just waltz in and do one of these once a year and have a result that's you know in the top of the of any classification. So Sure, 20 years ago when I was younger and more um, 
not capable, but more um, focused on results and growth and improving in a sport and being competitive, I would have loved to have done this and focused on it um, from a um, placing and improvement and challenging way. But that's not who I am now, nor the reason I signed up with this for uh, with um, my good friend Frank. So it was only about enjoying the beauty of what that event was. And Attilo is so unique like that. So I had very set expectations in that respect that I would get to the islands, that I would truly soak up every aspect of Attilo from the moment the event starts. And the event starts when you leave your hotel on Sunday and you head towards the ferry or in this year towards the bus station in order to meet your fellow competitors, meet the race volunteers and and directors and create and live in this bubble for 48 uh, yeah 48 hours of everybody just being super nice and super welcoming and super friendly and yet super fit and wanting to do well at this but also realizing the adventure of it and the uniqueness of it and the, the community of it that was the fun part and that's what I really had set out to uh, enjoy, um, to really soak it all up. Last year, sure, it was a fantastic experience with Rich, but it was all new. It was all for the first time. And because I had such an amazing experience last year, in the first time, this year I wanted to go as a, um, as a participant that knows what is coming and soak it up even more. And... I think that was that was achieved. Um, nothing competitive, nothing calculated. Just once again, an opportunity to dive into the beauty of this nature in that area, in this place, to um, enjoy the friendships that were developed, um, the the growth of friendship with your partner in this, um, the opportunity that this race is, the gift that it is, because you know we got a director's entry, so. That means we didn't qualify or anything for this. And so it truly is a gift. It's a, it's a choice by the director to put us in it. And, you know, it is such a huge, huge um, um, thank you moment in order to realize that this is just truly a unique experience. And you're fully present. You're fully alive. You're fully immersed in this all. Um, for 48 hours, and you're able to soak it all up if you go in with that, in my opinion, with that mindset. And that was what Attila was this year. Despite being familiar with it, despite knowing it, I was still able to truly live it and absorb it like a sponge, the full experience, like it all sh shone into my eyes and how beautiful it was this year, given the blue skies and the sun and the water. It's like locked into the back of my mind, these postcard views and settings that I was, I, I was able to just truly enjoy it for what it was. And, you know, the reason I did this this year um, originally, I wasn't going to do it and I wasn't, I didn't want to mess with my experience from last year of how unique it was. But when Frank um, put in the entry and we got in, I sort of converted my mind a little bit in the approach of, you know what, as a good friend, um, who am I to 
put my expectations or what I want with regards to how I want to remember Attilo upon somebody who is my friend and wants to experience the same thing. Of course, I will go with him. Of course, I want him to experience the adventure. Of course, I want him to see it and live it and have the same memories and, and, and experience as I did. Um, and so once I realized that it's my opportunity to share something so unique and beautiful with somebody who I call a good friend, that's, um, that's what this was. And that's what felt really amazing about it. And so that was Attilo 2018. And sure, there's the nitty gritty of the race um, and the details. But you know what? Part of also how I coached Frank for this event was, you know, there's not much you can tell somebody about this race. Even if you think you're prepared, once you get here or here or get there, it's completely different than what you thought it was. And I wouldn't want to place um, a, a, a vision or um, um, something into my partner's mind that he already knows what to expect. I wanted him to fully absorb and be nervous and curious and what this adventure is going to bring and what how it's going to work and what do you mean we're just going to wing it and I was like yeah that's what we did last year and that's half the fun the more you calculate it and try to think too much about it you're not sort of having that sense of adventure and figuring it out along the way and enjoying it and laughing and meeting new people and staying relaxed about it if you're too focused on the process you sometimes miss all the the beauty and camaraderie and fun and um nature around you and i think we had that experience it was not locked into us it was more living the moment of the whole race happening around us with us in front of us and um, behind us so and those aid stations and the volunteers and and how unique and different the foods are there and the aid stations and how you work your way through it is just again so so unique and if any of you have an opportunity to do it, I would highly, highly recommend this race, this event. It is truly one of my all-time favorites, and I got to experience both ends of the spectrum, a crazy storm, crazy conditions, almost canceling it to perfect conditions. Um, not a cloud in the sky, warm, comfortable, easy swims, and so forth. So, And, you know, at the end of it all, we were an hour faster, which... Um, shows not only that we, I knew a little bit better what to do and how to um, manage myself and my partner through the day and where we were on the course and I could sort of gauge how much further to go but also that you know the conditions were quite comfortable our placing was actually almost the same as last year if not even a little bit slower despite being an hour faster and that just shows the competitors getting better but also the conditions were quite manageable so I hope that recap helped, and um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting event, and I would recommend it to all. You know, when I get an email from an athlete of mine that has been training with me, getting coached by me for quite some time, and that's relative, right? Let's say <clears throat> at least a year, and they're asking for more training, or 
they are surprised to see that they have a recovery week. To me, that means I'm doing my job just right. That means I am not pushing them over the edge. I am not creating too much fatigue. I'm keeping them motivated and hungry to train more, to want more. And that my job as a coach is turning, is is being effective with keeping the reins on the athlete of overdoing it, of being effective as a coach of avoiding injury and keeping the athlete motivated and excited to train and looking forward to the process of training and the journey that we're on. And so it's interesting, I get emails frequently, I would say, not weekly, but you know, a couple times a month from different athletes where they are happy to say that um, they like the training, they like their fitness, but they wish they could do more or they're surprised that it's not more or that they're confused why they would need a rest week that they feel so good. And that's the entire point. I want you feeling good. I want you itching to train Because that means from a sensation standpoint that the adaptations are happening. So another good feedback mechanism for me is seeing that the athlete is excited to train, is motivated to train, and wants to do more. I'm reading through some race reports from, in this case, Santa Cruz 70.3. That was this last weekend. And... To me, a good race report, besides the details that are in it, always is highlighted by, um, I PR'd, of course that always feels good, but in this case, I only PR'd by a few minutes, but I felt way better, or felt way more in control, or it came so much easier to me, or I totally can see why balancing the effort makes such a big difference. So... That to me, again, as a coach, is a good outcome. That means the athlete is able to put forth their best result in a 70.3 in this case. I don't know if that's relatively on a harder course, easier course, conditions, and so forth. That I don't know. I mean, I could go back and dive into the past results of the athlete. But it's more that the sensations that they're observing show to me that their aerobic zone two training is working. Again, that the adaptations, that the workload is being absorbed effectively. And that means that the athlete is in more control, executes better, doesn't have to dig too deep um, in order to have their best outcome. And in this case, the athlete, it wasn't a training day. Yes, we rested a bit for it because I believe, as you all know, in racing our best and not, you know, using it in a fatigued state as a training day. But, you know, it wasn't something we were teeing off on a 70.3. We're getting ready for an Ironman in this case. And so having the athlete observe all these sensations is fully a big check in the box for me as a coach to see that they're progressing effectively. The desired outcome of a race like this, like Santa Cruz 70.3 that he just did, to feel in control, to feel fit, to feel um, 
like the progression of fitness is working with regards to being able to just execute a 70.3 well enough to want to get back to training in two, three days and have absorbed it and put it behind you, that's the sign of a good day to me. And I've talked about it before on the podcast where I want you to get through the bike, let's say in an Ironman, at the same pace, same maybe even wattages. I'm not really worried about that. More about the same split, but using less energy, right? Big picture for me, Ironman Triathlon is about the simple strategy of getting from transition one to transition two as fast as you can using the least amount of energy. And that dichotomy of those two statements is displayed by superior bike fitness that you don't show on the bike, right? That you are able to ride the bike fast enough, effectively enough to get to transition two with a decent split, but you know you could have biked faster and you might have even put forth more effort in past Ironmans, but you got to transition two same bike split using way less energy to now display your bike fitness on the run. Display your bike fitness on your ability to run faster than before. Display your bike fitness not by being way up in the age group after the bike, but having used less energy than your competitors on the bike, still be in a position to make a difference in the age group and then run way better than you thought you could or that you've run in the past because, again, you got to transition to using the least amount of energy as fast as you could. So those are some of the insights that I look for on emails and um, race updates. There are some weeks I just love going through my emails and looking at all the different things my athletes are doing. Today is uh, September 10th, and I'm working through a variety of emails. Of course, I'm catching up from a few weeks of that travel and work, but also catching up with a variety of new athlete requests and current athletes who are on to their adventures that they have been training for. (laughs) One of them being a gentleman who's going to cycle across England. He started on Sunday and he's two days in, you know, and he's just in a busy, busy, busy career and runs a busy, busy business. And he had barely gotten in the training necessary for something like this, right? And, you know, that's the part I often have to be quite careful with as a coach in that, of course, there's ideals that I would love for my athletes to get to and achieve in their training so that they can enjoy the, the, the event, the adventures, the race, the way I think and believe and hope they would be able to enjoy. But I also have to understand that life gets in the way for many of these athletes. And I can't um, put too much guilt or um, ownership on the athlete of missing the training or the consistency or the discipline needed because many of this is already such a huge new step for them in taking on these ultra endurance adventures. I mean, this guy, uh, 
is going to ride nine days in a row of 110 to 130 miles a day. And he has no experience in doing anything like this, let alone got his first 100-mile ride in in training a couple weeks ago and couldn't really follow it up again the next day. And, you know, we might have gotten through a few days of back-to-back three, four-hour days. But again, life and career and work and family got in the way. And so I say this, and I, I, I am proud and I observe in some awe, quite honestly, of, again, athletes like this who are not that prepared and still with the perseverance and the drive and the focus and the, the will, the sheer will to still do this. The, he is suffering. I mean, he's going to suffer these next nine days or seven remaining days. And the niggles and the body and the achiness. And just think of the saddle for that many days, right? When you're not used to it, when you haven't built up that ability to sit in the saddle for that many hours. It's just uncomfortable. And, you know, we all know from cycling that that turns into, you know, some really sensitive um undercarriage issues, as we we might want to call it. But again, I believe, you know, he's going to do it and and do it as far as he can. Sure, he's only two days in and he's nine hours ahead. So I spoke to him tonight. And so he's getting ready for his day three tomorrow morning, the morning already for him. But, you know, I, I love seeing that. I love seeing that despite not being ideally prepared, still following through on what you said you would do. Um, What else? I have another email here by an athlete looking to get coached. And, you know, he wants to ride 30 days across the length of Madagascar, right? Um, But not just that. This isn't cycling, cycling. He wants to go with his nine-year-old daughter and tow her along um, at times connected and other times that she rides her own bike, right? I mean, talk about an adventure. Sure, he wants to do an Ironman as well and, and also uh, bag a few um, of the, the highest peaks in the world. Um, he's quite an athlete anyway. But that being said, just just reading that and asking some follow-up questions like, wait, are you looking to pull her in a burley or in a, something like that? Or is she going to ride next to you? What, what does that look like? You know, again, it's it's excitement and it's awe. And it's like, that is amazing. That is an adventure. Now, I don't know his family situation and so forth, like that he's only going with his daughter and not taking his wife and so forth. But Again, I'll figure that out over the next few months as we're working together. But just the sound of that, going on a six-week cycling adventure, I think over the six weeks, there's a total of four days off or five days off, and exploring, you know, a continent. Madagascar, many people will say, is sort of another continent because it has so much to offer and such unique um, environment all in one huge, huge island. Um, you know, that again is just inspiring to think of that adventure and the uniqueness of that. And so, of course, there's the excitement to prepare him 
in order to be prepared also and available and fit and, and, and fresh and strong enough to have her truly also enjoy it. No, I'm not going to coach her, but more coach him up enough. And that's my plan. You know, we all know life gets in the way. My plan is to coach him up enough that he is strong enough to pull and stay present and enjoy the, the, the swings and mood and fatigue and um, adventure that happens to all of us when we're in an adventure um, of his daughter and, and make it the most memorable exciting, unique experience that it can be. So, you know, that's just an example of the things that are lying out there um, and why I truly enjoy this coaching aspect. Um, there's many athletes that are getting ready for races and specific events and manageable process-oriented outcomes, right? Um and that's, that's fun too, seeing them get fitter and stronger. Like I was saying with 70.3 Santa Cruz yesterday, I got another race report in for somebody who's getting ready for their first Ironman in November, you know, and helping them realize how special it is and great it is that they're just sort of now doing 70.3s as a training day. He was saying, I'll, I'll be ready to go again on Wednesday. I'm excited to continue to train and grow when I see the light. But it's like, hey, Take a moment here over the next 48, 72 hours and appreciate that you haven't done that many 70.3s, one in this case, um, prior to this one. And now you're just sort of walking through them, training, still improving and PRing. And now you're already thinking about training again on 72 hours later. Pause and realize how cool and how unique and how fit that means you are. And before you just go into the next phase of training, which I respect, I get it, I've been there, but it's exactly that. It's exactly that saying, wow, this is pretty awesome. Because I know many of you listening know the, the what it is like on the other side. And what I mean by that is when we are many years down the road of windows like this where we're just that fit and we had the time and not necessarily the time because of youth and that we had no other responsibilities, but that we ate, we had the time because career and life and family just allowed it to unfold like this. And it's not selfish to think, man, I wish I had that time back. No, um, it's just how life unfolds. There's windows and pockets of time where we have this ability to be fit and strong and um, time to train and take on adventures. And what I like to remind all my athletes on is when you're in those windows, enjoy it. Be aware that it's not going to stay like this forever. And to appreciate the fitness, appreciate the camaraderie, appreciate the journey because someday you'll look at that journey and be like, that was an amazing time. I was fit and I was training and it felt great. And every day I was just out there doing stuff. And sure, this guy works as well. Of course, he has a job. He's a software engineer. And so um, pretty busy in that respect. But again, appreciate what we have and realizing that these are pretty awesome windows. And it doesn't have anything to do with youth, by the way. Um, you can be 45, 50, 60 year old, uh, years old and have these windows of feeling really 
connected and alive and vibrant and fit and understanding why the body works the way it works and the adventures that lie ahead and why you want to fully experience them, not because of a result, but because of the the experience and the adventure that it is. And like I was talking earlier about Attilo, going there this year, knowing what I was getting into, not looking for a result or an outcome or a time, but truly just embracing every human being there, enjoying it, having fun with it, recognizing the beauty and the uniqueness of going there again, sharing that with a friend, and being the happiest person on that course all day is what is what made that event so special. It rewarded me even more than just doing it. I was able to embrace fellow competitors and the day and the islands and the event itself and the race director and the volunteers and all that so much more knowing I am just here 100% on this day to enjoy this day, to enjoy this event. And of course, I'm fit enough for it, so it's not that hard for me. And that was basically the desired outcome to truly enjoy that day to the best of my ability of enjoying it, of embracing it, of living it, and sharing it with others, not just my partner, but sharing it with the people on the course and the volunteers and that positive energy. Um, It's unique. And of course, I was getting ready for longer events, let's say Ultraman, and using it as another day to to display 10-hour fitness. But also, in hindsight, I am glad I did not overthink that and overanalyze that day more than it than than I than I did whatever that means um, more in order to truly have that memory now that it was such an immersive fun unique enjoyable human interaction day I guess that's the the, the point I, I took away from Attilo it was a day of human interaction in nature completely unplugged, um, but yet connected to everybody on that course and helping and participating in some way on that day. So again, unique aspects in our in all of our adventures. And the more I can communicate that we enjoy it and that we live it and we think about of how exciting it is and how unique it is, And again, as you hear, I love this stuff. I love getting these emails and working through it with athletes and thinking about what their next adventure will be, you know, and, you know, growing with them, literally growing with them to what they will become. And um, yeah, thanks. And finally, this week, I wanted to talk or follow up a little bit on the calories consumption um, topic from last week. I got a lot of feedback on it and a lot of insights from athletes that seem to think um, and have followed through on eating more as well as paying more attention. Now, important to remember here, and um, I heard about this from (laughs) my better half um, as she was like, "Uh, Chris, you sort of got to be careful with what you're saying there because people have different 
outcomes and different needs and different body types and different ways to absorb the calories. And I think I put plenty of disclaimers on it last week. But again, I wanted to follow through on something. A couple of things, actually. One, you're all athletes listening to this. And if you're getting coached by me, because you're training for performance, my coaching, and I've said this before on the podcast, is not a weight loss program. It's a performance coaching plan. And like I've said to thousands of people over the years, um, I believe everybody is an athlete. It's a mindset. It's the way you approach your day. It's the way you approach your training and the way you take your athletic self and let it bleed into the rest of your day and your life. Uh, That makes you an athlete. It's not about performance. Um, It's not about results, excuse me. But food and how you fuel and hydrate yourself is part of being an athlete. And you need to know what is effective for you with regards to fuel, with regards to hydration, with regards to during exercise and training, and post and pre and during your days. And if you are uh, gaining weight through this training, you need to examine why that is. If you are staying steady on your weight through this training, that's a good sign. That's a very good sign. And of course, over time, you will lose weight because of the sheer volume of what we do. Now, everybody has a different training plan and everybody's volume is relatively different amongst their outcomes and amongst their training and so forth. But for me, I definitely go through a season where I look at maintaining my same weight despite big training weeks and months and low volume training weeks and months. And my food intake remains um, not focused on that, but balanced around that. Of course, I eat more and focus actually on eating more in big training phases because I know my body needs more. And the only reason I monitor it is to make sure I'm staying steady. Now, if I gain a few pounds here or there, I don't worry about it because I know my body and the volume of my training and my past history, big factor there too, will mean that it will just balance out again. It will settle back into the 175 pounds or whatever that I am. And then there's times I fall off and I lose a bunch of weight. And then I need to pay, I again, pay attention, but I don't overreact on making sure, well, is that water weight? Was that, am I not keeping up with my calories? So I want things to play pretty steady. If my weight is pretty steady, that means my body is absorbing the training properly and my body can focus on other things versus trying to work through fueling deficits or overdoing the fueling. And again, I'm a big believer in not putting a lot of tax and stress and strain on my body, whether that comes via nutrition, whether that comes via dealing with injuries, whether that comes via stress and getting enough recovery and sleep. I like to keep things pretty balanced. And pretty balanced over many, many years has made a big difference with regards to consistent, steady performance, output, and results. And the same thing for all of you as we approach the preseason. I don't call it off season, I call it preseason. I'm just maintaining a steady, 
healthy training dose and approach and nutrition focus and healthy approach and mindset towards your whole complete being of being an athlete. And the second component when it comes to what I was talking about that most of us undereat, that's a general term. That's most of us. That doesn't mean all of you. It is never a bad thing to research and look and pay closer attention to if you're getting enough uh, calories, but that doesn't mean you automatically go and eat more (laughs) just because I said most of us are under eating, right? That's a pretty general term. It doesn't mean all of you are. Some of you may be overeating. And so keep that in mind. That was more a general aspect. And I know I sound like I'm making apologies, but I just want to be careful um, with regards to nutrition because it's a very delicate and sensitive subject. Not only because of emotions and body image and so forth and why many of us are in not as the reason we're in sports, but it is definitely a motivating factor. Let's not around that bush feeling good looking good feeling healthy um, looking healthy is part of the equation it's not the only reason it's not the primary reason it's not an overloading reason but it's part of the equation and so all of you understand whether you're my athletes or not listening to this Nutrition and how you fuel yourself and how you get enough calories in and what type of calories you get in is a very, very delicate science. And nutrition is a very delicate equation for you. And I've learned that over the years, not just because of my better half, but also because of working with so many athletes that it's a question of not the now with regards to nutrition. It's the question of what you've built up over your past history in life of how you've eaten as a child, how you ate the last 10, 15 years, how you fueled yourself during past exercise bouts and phases. All create a um, canvas, a picture of who you are now. And now, do changes maybe need to be made? For sure, absolutely. Can things be be changed even if you're if you're fine but the can there be outcomes by making changes to your diet and your nutrition and your fueling to make you feel even better for sure i've learned that i've learned that over the last three four years with emily and my being my better half with regards to how she takes care of my fueling and make sure i learn and grow with that for sure but overall i want to make sure that we all just become better just as we do in the training on observing how our body reacts, right? Observe if being plant-based is the most effective result for you, for you. Now, plant-based, observe if vegan or vegetarian or just your normal diet works for you, right? You're only you. You only have this one body to live in, to be in, to perform in, to be an athlete in. And to follow someone or some principle because it worked for them, that's their work of art. That's their body. That's their 
painting that was created and that body that was created with a completely different story, narrative, upbringing, history, past experiences than you. And whether that's part of our mental imagery and our ability and our strength, as well as our nutritional ability and strength on how our body works, we're seeing it left and right from the 23andMe's to the blood studies, to the genetic studies, to all kinds of different ways to optimize your body. Because if it worked for everybody, there would be a book out, there would be a website out, there would be a systematic approach what works best. But there is no best approach. And anytime somebody says there is a best approach, it's humbug. It's BS. And I guarantee you, I can find you a plant-based athlete that will win the Olympics. I can find you a meat eater that will win the Olympics. I will find you a vegan, a vegetarian, uh, a carnivore that overeats, that uh, uh, a paleo-based. I will find you one of everything of, uh, that will be one of the best performers from ultra-endurance in, in the world. Absolutely. Ultra-endurance, I meant down to Olympic, down to sprinting, down to anything that you... There's always examples of it. But that doesn't mean it applies to you or applies to the greater... Um, masses of people. The only thing that applies to you is what works and is shown based off blood tests or genetic testing or all that stuff, what works for you. If you really want to know, you need to work with a nutritionist. You need to work in the field with somebody who's an expert who can paint your picture for you and explain it to you. And that's how you move yourself forward if that is something you're interested in. But in general, observe. The best advice I can give is observe what is working, what makes you feel better, what, what you like, what keeps your energy levels going, what keeps you fueled during the day. Because if it's food and healthy food that you like and you see an energy result of it, for sure, make note of it and maybe incorporate more of that type of food in your diet and then see other things and see if you leave something out or see if you skip that or if you cut back on this and so forth. That is still then you're narrowing it down to what works for you. So, I mean, I can go on on this topic forever because um, it, it is something that is uh, very similar to coaching with regards to endurance athletics or in, in, in athletics. Everybody is a little different. Everybody responds a little bit different. Everybody has a little bit different of a prescription. And going by understanding that principle first, that we're all just us, mentally, physically, internally, externally, psychologically, spiritually, all those things, we're just us. And knowing what works for us and how to be our best self and optimize ourselves and contribute the most to our world around us is already the, a huge first step of understanding, okay, I can listen to other inputs. I can read about other inputs. I can learn about other inputs. I can receive other people's inputs and opinions. But then I will take that, stir that pot of knowledge and apply what works for me, what is best for me, because that way I can be the best version of myself. And that will conclude the nutrition piece there. But I hope you understand what I mean. So pay attention, listen to your body, 
whether it's nutrition or in the training, listen to your body. It will tell you so much. And it wants to take you on the healthiest, optimized path. It will. It does. It's about um, preserving itself. It's about longevity. It wants to um, find homeostasis and continue on for as long as it can. It wants to stay alive. It wants to regenerate itself. It wants to grow. Listen to it. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, if you didn't, I totally understand. I'm a little, as you can tell, insecure about just talking that much about um, how I reflected upon the past few weeks and what the weeks and the training and the coaching means to me. But I hope you can bear with me. Every now and then I have an episode like that where I go off on a little bit of a tangent on why I love what I do and I'm really grateful for all of you and this podcast and uh, the opportunities that it's created and it's been all and that this sport and this coaching and the years have offered me and um, offered to me and the the ability to continue on with making an impact with just a few of you every year with regards to your um, endurance goals and your races and your health and your fitness and your lifestyle so before I end this episode, I just wanted to um, also throw something out there. I will be recording this week with regards to an athlete that had some questions for me and that I'm going to follow up with with um, recording it on the podcast. Not one of my athletes, but an athlete that had reached out with a variety of questions for their obstacle course racing and endurance training. And I thought it'd be fun to go over those questions and those um, that, that back and forth on what I would do as a coach with them. Now, I've done this before, but with the same person, but I forgot to hit record on the podcast, if you can actually believe how stupid that was of mine. So now... We had the conversation um, about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and since that information is gone and that was more sort of how we can train and get ready for things, I thought it would be actually helpful now to follow up with him and actually hit record on how his training is going, what he's observed, what he has done of my recommendations and um, insights, and how that's working for him, and just check in with him. But So I'm going to do that this week. But I also wanted to offer to all of you um, listening that if you have questions or have um, a variety of things that you want to discuss, that you send me an email and maybe we set up some time and I record our conversation with regards to, with the podcast and just go over, again, sort of ad hoc in the moment, um, just from shooting from the hip on what I would do, what I, how I would coach you, um, or if you have nutrition and fueling and hydration questions, anything that might come up. I would love to fill about 15, 20 minutes of that, not just a, a single question. But um, that way we can go back and forth a little bit and, and maybe address any type of training-related bigger picture questions and approach that you have, how you would go about it, maybe help you design a plan or what I would do in my in my coaching in, in building your foundation in your aerobic platform and sort of have all the listeners benefit to hearing how we would go through that process. I thought that might be something many would want to listen to. And of course, this can be one of my athletes too. So as any of you listening, my, my athletes, feel free to 
um, do the same. Send me an email or, or when you see me or send me a text or call me. And we can for sure build that entire process together on the phone while I record it as well. So, all right, everybody, have a great week. Um, I've got a lot of race reports to go through, a lot of insights to follow up on because um, a lot of people raced last weekend from Ironmans to half Ironmans to uh, marathons. I've got a 100-mile runner. I've got a half marathon runner. I've got um, somebody who just finished the Tahoe 200-mile run. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, sort of go into also some preseason stuff because we're, we're hitting October and that's when the preseason starts for a lot of people. So thank you. Long episode. You lasted this long. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you listening. And again, I hope you got some value out of it.